Hi, and welcome back to Food for Thought, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything as it relates to health and wellness. I'm Carissa McKay, one of the health promotion specialists at Edmonton, and today I'm talking with my colleague extraordinaire, Nicole Emerson, about all things protein. It seems that wherever you look, there's information touting the magical benefits of protein. There are high protein diets from keto to paleo and myriad products touting their high protein content and how good they are for you. So let's get to the bottom of this. What's all the hype about when it comes to protein? How much protein do you really need? And can you get too much? I have a feeling we're going to be pushing a lot of buttons today, Nicole, but thanks for being here to unpack this one with me. No problem. Thanks, Carissa. I'm, I'm happy to be here and to dive right into those questions right off the bat. As you've mentioned, protein has become quite popular these days. And one example is the number of protein drinks and powders and sports bars being used in place of quote unquote real food. So to start, protein is made up of a long chain of amino acids, which are the building blocks of protein. Animal protein like red meat, poultry, dairy products, think milk, cheese, yogurt, provide us with the essential amino acids. So they're essential because your body can't make them on their own and are considered to be complete protein. Plant-based protein also provides amino acids, but not all of them, so are considered to be incomplete protein. So it's important to consume a variety of these over the course of the day to ensure that you're getting all those amino acids so that you can meet your needs. We're talking beans, peas, lentils, nuts, seeds, tofu, grains like quinoa, soy products, all good choices for building strong muscles and helping to repair tissue and keep us healthy. So the next question is, how much protein do we need from athletes to the average person to the operational soldier? What should we be considering? In order to figure that out, what the scientists and researchers that are way smarter than we are have determined is that the protein needs are determined by age, body weight, and activity level. If you're looking for a calculation for an actual amount of protein, most adults over the age of 19 years need about 0.8 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. So an adult who weighs 80 kilograms or 176 pounds needs about 64 grams of protein each day, 70 times 0.8 grams per kilogram per day, which is super easy to achieve. Exceptions to this calculation are children and youth, pregnant and breastfeeding women, some athletes, and people with certain health conditions. Anyone falling into any of those categories are going to have different protein needs. So to put that number, that 64 grams of protein into context, two and a half ounces, or the size of the palm of your hand, of cooked meat, fish, or poultry has approximately 21 grams of protein. A glass of milk, that is 250 mils or one cup, has approximately nine grams of protein. Two tablespoons of peanut butter will get you eight grams of protein. Two large eggs contain about 12 grams of protein in total if you eat the yolk as well. And for those cooked beans, peas, and lentils, three quarters of a cup will give you about 12 grams of protein. So when you look at those numbers and you think about the amounts that people typically eat, that 64 grams of protein per day is not that hard to achieve. The question then is why do people feel the need to supplement their diet above and beyond or choose supplemental forms of protein either on top of or in place of food? That's a great question, and we hear it all the time in our Top Fuel for Top Performance workshop that people are typically eating high-protein foods because they think protein makes them grow big and strong, so more must be better, right? And many athletes believe that if they eat more protein, their muscles will increase in size, which isn't entirely true. And it's no wonder that there's so much confusion on this topic with all the mixed messages out there, whether from supplement companies or influencers on social media or the gym bro science. There's a lot of information out there and let's face it, misinformation. So let's clear some of that up. 
protein plays many roles in your body and is essential for health at every age. It's an essential nutrient to keep your body functioning well, and it's important for optimal growth and development in children, maintaining healthy muscles and bones in adults, facilitating muscle recovery after a workout, repairing body tissue after an injury, forming antibodies and supporting a healthy immune system. And I think it's safe to say that most people know that you need protein together with regular resistance training in order to build muscle. Kind of a no-brainer. But it doesn't end there. Simply increasing your protein isn't enough. You also need to be eating an overall well-balanced diet and be consistently fueling and refueling your muscles in combination with the resistance training to really see those results. Exactly. Because it's not just protein requirements that increase when activity increases. Energy requirements go up as a whole because of that metabolic activity that we know that muscle has. So we're talking the number of calories people are consuming. That's the energy that we're talking about. And not that we want people to be counting calories, but that increases in order to support energy expenditure and to maintain that hard fought for muscle mass. For example, the minimal energy requirement for most military members doing most operational activities has been determined to be about 3,600 calories a day. And requirements will increase or decrease depending on the activity. So the more demanding the activity, the higher the requirement. If you're a bigger person, you're going to need a little bit more energy. If you're under stress, such as doing those operations in hot or cold climates or at higher altitudes, that's going to change your energy requirements. If you consume too little energy, your muscle protein will at some point be used for energy production and you're going to lose that muscle. It's going to be burned as fuel. So to avoid this from happening, you need to consume enough energy from carbohydrate, protein, and fat. Remember, though, is where that 3,600 calorie number comes from is that was determined based on operational activities. So this means field exercises where you're walking, moving things, or yourself with a rucksack, not just driving a vehicle or sitting in a control center or at your desk. So when you're in garrison, that number is going to go down desk work, standing work, sweeping the hangar, those take significantly less energy or calories. So that 3,600 calories is likely going to go down to more like 24, 2,800, again, depending on your age, body size, etc. So that's pretty significant. And that's a really good point. And, and when it comes to those protein shakes and bars and powders, you may not be getting the biggest bang for your buck because natural forms of protein have been shown to be more effective at building muscle. And you're not just getting protein in food. Food also provides us various nutrients we need for overall health. For example, fish like salmon and trout contain omega-3, which is important for brain health and anti-inflammatory benefits. Red meat is rich in iron, which is important for growth and zinc, which is important with the immune function. Milk is an excellent source of calcium and vitamin D, as well as other nutrients important for bone health. And legumes and nuts are fabulous sources of fiber and other nutrients that also contribute to good gut health and a healthy microbiome. So suffice to say that food beats out supplemental forms of protein from a nutritional standpoint. But we get it, protein powder is convenient and may be helpful in some circumstances. But the important thing to remember here is that when choosing a protein powder, Look for one that doesn't have all of the other extra ingredients. So sweeteners, vitamins, minerals, herbal products. You just want to stick to the actual like simple protein itself. Also keep in mind that powders often provide 10 to 30 grams of protein per serving. So scoop size, depending on the product. So check the nutrition facts table on the label to find out how much protein the product contains and be sure that you pair that with something else, something containing a carbohydrate, like a piece of fruit or grain product, 
or whatever to make sure that it's balanced and particularly after activity. Those points are so valid and such great places for people to kind of think about the choices that they're making. And some of those points, I think that are really key is especially at that first one, which is how easy it is to overdo it with the protein powders, if you're not careful. And second, where does protein fit when it comes to activity, as you're talking about in terms of before or after or whatever activity, and we've covered that in some of other episodes. So let's start with the first point. The reality is that more protein isn't better. And in fact, excess protein intake will either be used as fuel or stored as fat. Our bodies are simply not designed to store extra proteins, so you need a regular supply of protein at each meal in appropriate amounts in order to consistently and continuously meet our body's needs. Eating large amounts of protein in one sitting does not necessarily result in improved muscle growth and recovery. A better strategy is to eat smaller portions of protein spread throughout your day. Breaking our protein up throughout the day is better for muscle building, known as muscle protein synthesis, and based on the evidence, the sweet spot still seems to be around 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. There's a lot of information on the internet that disputes that, and there are absolutely limitations to some of the studies, and there is a lot of variability. Were the people trained or untrained? Were they fasted or not fasted? What were the number and types of exercises? Did they do those to exhaustion or not? Were they using fast or slow-acting proteins? And the list goes on and on. However, the bottom line is that most of the peer-reviewed evidence still seems to be somewhere in that neighborhood of 20 to 30 grams per meal. Are there those folks who consume more and might see bigger gains? Sure, but there are also those who won't. The challenge is how you measure it and how often someone wants to get their muscles biopsied. It's a precise and yet imperfect science. When you think of it in terms of dollars and cents, spelled both ways, frankly, cents, C-E-N-T-S and cents, S-E-N-S-E, chances are good if you use the 20 to 30 gram target as your go-to, you're not going to be short of protein and any extra that you're bound to take in by virtue of protein not being really that hard to come by will give you that buffer that just might, if the stars are aligned, lead to potentially slightly higher muscle synthesis. But it would be so incremental as to likely be deemed statistically insignificant. So people can quibble that point or not, but my money would be on that 20 to 30 grams. The second point is to answer the question, when is protein most effective around exercise? And even though it sounded like I was going to talk about that one, I'm actually going to let you cover that one, Nicole. No problem. Thanks, Carissa. And despite popular belief that it's needed before, during, and after, the best time to consume protein is post-activity. So that 20 to 30 grams of protein with ideally paired with 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrate, which is optimal for muscle recovery and growth. What does that look like? Well, it could be a bagel and a cup of chocolate milk. A turkey sandwich with all the fixings on whole grain bread and a glass of juice, maybe a granola bar and some yogurt and crackers, cheese and fruit, or maybe it's a meal. So a pasta dinner with a meat sauce or legume sauce with veggies and a piece of fruit. It really doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to overthink it, nor does it require a supplement form of protein because we know that food works. And as for athletes, while athletes' protein needs are greater than that of non-athletes, they're not as high as commonly perceived. So the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, Dietitians of Canada, and the American College of Sports Medicine recommend 1.2 to 2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight per day for athletes, depending on training. Remembering that protein intake should be spaced throughout the day and after workouts. Awesome. Thanks, Nicole. Because at the end of the day, I think that if we can focus on foods more than supplements, A, it's going to save us money. Potentially, we're going to be better off able to meet our macro and micronutrient needs in ways that our bodies can easily utilize. And sometimes it's just a matter of making a couple of really easy changes to better capitalize on those. How many grams of protein are you getting in each meal or snack? 
So let's say you're having Rice Krispies for breakfast. You can up the nutritional quality by switching to something like bran flakes or even mini wheats, or go for something like yogurt and homemade granola that's got lots of nuts and seeds in it. The first option increases your fiber content and you're getting protein from the milk, which you were also getting with the Rice Krispies, but you're just basically getting, you know, crunchy air, which is delicious, but not super satisfying and very low in protein. And the second option, that yogurt and granola option, increases your protein because you're swapping out milk for yogurt and you're adding all those nuts and seeds. So that's going to provide you even more protein. If you use whole grain rolled oats, or if you try barley flakes or something like that, that's going to provide you some of that fiber. And if you even add in quinoa, because toasted quinoa is totally edible, you don't have to necessarily always boil it, you're going to be upping both your fiber and your protein. So like you say, it doesn't have to be complicated, you just have to think about it. There's a little bit of additional thought and planning and preparation. So a couple of quick, simple swaps will really change up the nutritional bang that you're getting for your buck. From a timing perspective, as we talked about in our carb loading episode, a meal after a workout, and all of those examples that Nicole shared were really great ones for that. Those could be, for example, you're doing your workout at noon and you're eating at 1.30 or something. So that's your post-nutrition meal. So this is where you want to make sure you're getting that protein because this is when your muscles are wide open and receptive to those protein and amino acids. That meal can be whatever you would normally have for lunch. You just want to make sure that it's got that 20 to 30 grams of protein and those 60 to 90 grams of carbs. So then it's literally winner, winner, adequate protein dinner. So an example of that might simply be a chicken wrap with lettuce and tomato on a whole wheat tortilla with some Monterey Jack cheese and an apple and water. Easy, delicious, and you've hit all of your criteria. Love that. Love those examples. I also think that it's worth mentioning that another factor playing into protein's popularity are the diet trends. And we kind of mentioned that in the very beginning when we mentioned keto and how that's being used for weight loss. And yes, protein plays an important role in promoting satiety, the feeling of fullness you get after eating a meal. But these diets create a calorie deficit causing weight loss to occur and are not really sustainable over the long term. But if you're eating a healthy, well-balanced diet and spread that protein throughout the day, like we've been saying, it's also going to help satisfy your hunger for a longer period of time. On the other hand, not eating enough protein may leave you feeling hungry, which could lead you to snack more or reach for treats or less nutritious foods. So reevaluating your meals like breakfast might be a good place to start to see how you can make some tweaks that are really going to pay off. The other thing to consider too is that we often associate protein with muscle building or weight loss. But the reality is, is that every one of us, as we get older, are going to need to be a little bit more conscious of the choices that we're making. Because as we age, we just get less efficient at using anything that we're eating. So we tend to lose muscle as we age. So we want to make sure that whatever activities that we're doing that are weight bearing are going to be able to allow for that muscle mass to be remaining or maintained or potentially even growing. There's been some awesome research on the cutest little senior citizens that are doing bicep curls and quadricep, one of those things when you're sitting on the bench and you're lifting the weight of what if Heather was here, she would totally know what the machine was and the exercise that they were doing anyway. And they were showing how much muscle mass you could gain even as like a 70, 80, 90 year old. And so there's a couple of things there that I really want to key in on, which is it's never too late to get to the gym or to pick up a can of soup or a barbell or whatever, a dumbbell and do some bicep curls or do some squats or do whatever. But as we're aging, just as we're living, if you're not someone who's super into those kinds of activities, still you want to have those 20 to 30 grams of protein because we need that to live. That's just what we need. And there's no point in having a giant meal at the end of the day and having gone the whole rest of the day where we could have used that protein 
to our benefit and then have all of that at the end of the day. And it's kind of, well, it's going to do what it can until it hits that maximal threshold. And then it's just going to be extra. So it's not just the athletes. It's not just the people that are looking for performance. It's everybody. And as we move into the holiday season and we sort of start shifting gears a little bit into what we're doing, we still want to have that as a focus. We still want to make sure that we're making those choices consistently and thinking longer term, not just how do my biceps look today, but am I going to be able to have that good balance to be able to walk over the slippery streets and sidewalks? in 10, 15, 20 years from now. So we need to sort of start shifting how we're viewing things is not just for the moment, but also how is this going to help me in the long term? And so all of us will benefit from being a little bit more cognizant of the choices that we're making over the course of the day. So Nicole, are there any final thoughts, ideas, things that came to mind that you want to just really hammer home for the listeners about protein and really get them thinking and reevaluating perhaps like why they want to believe what they believe or why they're making these choices or how they can be better utilizing the protein that they are having? Like, how would you like to wrap up this topic? Because it's a good one and we could probably keep talking for another hour, but I'm sure people have other things that they'd like to do. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and I think for me, what it comes down to is that everyone's always looking for that, that magical thing, the thing that is just going to make them stronger, make them faster, make them lose weight, whatever it may be. And it's, it really just doesn't exist or it exists in the form of common sense, taking care of yourself, doing your workouts, making sure you have, you're doing that resistance training, you're eating well, you're eating food, you're getting enough sleep, like all of those components all have to be part of it. There isn't this magic thing. And it's sorry, not protein in this case, but we still we need protein. But again, being sensible about it. So if you are choosing those higher protein products, or you're going to the canteen, and you're choosing that protein drink at three o'clock in the afternoon, maybe questioning why you're doing that. And is it what are you trying to get out of that? Right? Are you getting the effects that maybe you're looking for? Is it is it making you stronger? Are you doing better work? Are you um, lifting a few extra reps as a, a result or, or lifting heavier, whatever it may be? And then if it's not doing those things, maybe look at what you could be doing differently. What does your overall diet look like? How are you eating throughout the day? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you crashing at three o'clock because your lunch didn't have enough protein in it? Or maybe you didn't eat lunch. So there's so much more to look at and consider versus this one thing which we're talking about. So I, I don't know, I think I'll just end there. <laughs> And maybe, you know, for future episodes, we'll we'll dive into that a little bit more. But yeah, perfect. I love it. That's such all of it, everything that you said. So true. And yeah, I think sometimes we try to trick ourselves into believing that if we do these things that have this, you know, as you say, magical aspect to it, that it takes the onus or the responsibility off of us to actually be doing the right things, which is the hard work, unfortunately. The reality is that there are people who potentially stand to gain monetarily, either as coaches or sellers of whatever, that are going to try to use the research in a way that convinces you that more is better and supplement X or Y is better than regular food. The rule of thumb has always been to remember the old adage of buyer beware when it comes to taking advice from those who stand to gain in any way. If you really think that more protein is better, at the end of the day, that's up to you. But what most of the respected researchers are saying is that there is a threshold. And while there may be some wiggle room, sticking around those numbers, and I'm going to say them again, 20 to 30 grams is truly your best bet. None of us are really as special as we like to think we are. The empirical evidence that we have at present simply does not bear that out. So save yourself some money, eat real food, enjoy what you eat, spread your protein out over your meals, 
and remember that it's everything you do and everything that you eat and let's not forget how well you sleep oh and that little thing called genetics that'll ultimately be determining how big your muscles will get so leave the excess consumption for the folks that participate in the annual hot dog eating contest and use like nicole says good old common sense and not wishful thinking when it comes to planning your protein intake as I said at the beginning, I'm sure that we probably pushed a couple of buttons and that's good. That's our point. That's what we want to do. We want to shake things up a little bit, but hopefully you're going to tune in for the next episode where we take a look at warming up and cooling down. And we're going to have not one, but two kinesiologists joining us. So it should be an interesting conversation. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much, Nicole, for being here again. Always a fun time to have these conversations. Everybody use your common sense. Enjoy your food. And in the meantime, take care, stay healthy, and we'll see you on the flip floor.